Hi, I'm Zach and I'm Steve. On today's Weirdo episode, what we're going to do is bring back uh, a big segment that we cut from episode 14 where we talked about the Aubrey Tribute Band and the song Happy New Year. Um, Zach and I spent a long time talking about social media and cell phones and living in New York and why I was moving to Columbus and we ended up having to cut it because our show ran really, really long, but I thought it'd be really good to bring back as Zach and I are still trying to figure out recording and our schedules with him on tour. He also had to get a new computer, so he wasn't able to record. So anyways, while Zach and I are still trying to figure that out, I thought we'd have this as a special um, kind of outtakes episode where Zach and I get a little more serious. Um, but when Zach is done from tour and my life is finally stabilizing here in Columbus, Ohio, we will be back first to talk about ABBA's live at Wembley album and their concert, um, and we should have that in the next week or two. As always, you can find us on Tumblr at voulezvouscast.com, as well as on Twitter at voulezvouscast. Also, please find us on the iTunes store and rate us. Send us emails to voulezvouscast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Again, this is Zach and I talking about serious things for a long time. Thanks. Look forward to hearing from you soon. I'm moving to Columbus, Ohio. I'm leaving New York City. I'm tired of getting stabbed with needles on the subway. Every other day. Folks, it's like the pre-Giuliani era in new york right now yeah everyone's getting true. stabbed there's all these weird stories about people getting slashed and needles being jabbed into people yeah not for me not with my child and my baby bjorn uh baby bjorn yeah, baby bjorn oh my oh. god well we forgot to mention that you have adopted a child and named it after bjorn exactly the best one but you his his full name is baby bjorn yeah i just want to his name will change with his age he'll be toddler bjorn uh, like child Bjorn, preteen Bjorn, and then just shitty Bjorn after that. Yeah. Um, I said to someone recently, I would love having kids until they turned 14 and then I would just cut off their head and be like, you had a good run. Like once they get to high school, it's over. Yeah. And then they resuscitate around the age of like 21 and then they die again at 23 and then they come back to life at like 29. It seems so complicated to me. The the um the arc of having children, of being a parent. Yeah. Because I feel like every few years you probably wish you didn't have that child. Maybe like there's every some, few hours. Well, yeah, but I mean there's probably larger stretches. Yep. I think when they're first born, you're excited, but then quickly that turns to exhaustion. Yeah. And oh my god, I made a horrible mistake. Yeah. And then they begin to grow and learn and understand the world and they're precocious and then that's exciting and then quickly they become irritating again. Yeah. And then teenagers are the worst. I mean, middle school kids fucking suck. No, middle school kids are great. Oh, oh. It gets bad the second half of 8th grade. Interesting. Yeah. Uh but I'm moving to Columbus, Ohio. I have been wanting to move to Columbus for a really long time with baby Bjorn. And so as of March 5th, I'll be a resident of Ohio and no longer be a New York City kid. Which is, you know, right now feels exciting and scary. And I'm sure it'll be complicated once I leave. But Columbus has been calling to you for some time. So long. For like two years. Yeah. Why is that? 
One, my brother, who I love dearly, he and his family live there. Uh huh. Two, my best friend, Lauren, who I've been friends with for 15 years, mm-hmm. almost 15 years. She lives there. She and her my, husband, right? Yep. Uh, my mom lives there. Right. It's. Oh, I didn't know your mom was in Columbus. Yeah, she just okay. moved this summer. So it's like the people who are very, very dear to me live there. It's got a great gay population. Like the people are nice. Like if you bump into a good looking person, they'll say, I'm sorry. <laughs> Which like you bump into like an ugly gay person and they act better than you. Like I fuck what just say I'm excuse me, yeah. whatever. Jenny Lewis last night with the Watson twins. Oh fun. At the Beacon Theater, which was a great show. And my, my roommate, Derek, he and his girlfriend were meant to go. And then they had like a mandatory work thing that they had to do. So he gave me the tickets and, I was very pleased to get to see the show. They did the whole Rabbit Fur Coat album, which is great. And the band was fantastic. And the Watson Twins are great. And Jenny was great. It was a such a wonderful show at probably my favorite venue in New York City, if not America. Oh. I love the Beacon. Okay. But the the audience was probably the worst audience I've ever been surrounded by at a concert. Really? It was fucking unbelievable to me. Who was it? It was just like kind of over it entitled crabby looking white people. And it was so fucking annoying. So white people. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) More, More to the point. But it was just like all kind of people were talking throughout. M. Ward opened, right? Who's an artist... He's been around longer than she has. Yeah, he's an established guy of his own thing. And it, was, it wasn't it was opening. It was like special guest M. Ward, you know. Right. So that it, I guess that was supposed to feel more equal or something. Yeah. But he played in her band throughout the night too. And uh, and he, I, I'm not really a fan, but he delivered a great set. And there were people who just spoke through the whole thing. Um, there's also this weird thing that I notice in a lot of concert going audiences where there were a couple of instrumental portions, like the band would play mm-hmm. an instrumental thing while Jenny and the Watson twins would go change, put on a different outfit and come back out or whatever. And people would immediately just start talking loudly as though there was no music happening on stage. Commercials. It's like a commercial. Yeah. It's like they're so used to the band playing out to commercial on Fallon or something that it's like, okay, well, now we know it's time to just talk. Right. And people on their phones the whole fucking time taking awful videos and Shitty awful videos. photos. And Shitty videos. Yeah. I This one guy in front of me, I shit you not, spent the entirety of one song where Jenny was playing solo, playing this quiet, really beautiful, lyrical song. He spent the entire time trying to take this one photo of her. And finally, by the end of the song, had gotten it. And it was this shitty, blurry picture from the back of the first mezzanine yeah, where we were sitting. And he showed his girlfriend with like with tremendous pride. Like, I got it. I got the shot. I got it. I got just flesh the blob whole song. with hair and guitar. Yeah. I Someone's have to say. Someone's going to take a better photo of that. You can print it out if you want. Go to Stereo Gum the next day. It'll be there. I mean, for fuck's sake. I, go to the show. I have to say, Zach, one... Of the things that makes me feel better about leaving New York mm-hmm. 
is the fact that the past couple shows I've been to, I've been to three shows recently. I went to Cape Boy uh-huh. at Le Poisson Rouge in November. Mm-hmm. I went to see Carly Rae Jepsen in November, and I went to see St. Lucia last weekend. Cool. The audiences at Carly Rae Jepsen and St. Lucia, St. Lucia were awful. Like really? Carly Rae Jepsen were all gay men on their phones texting, Snapchatting, Instagramming, taking pictures of themselves, posing with each other and taking pictures. Like it's Carly Rae Jepsen who had like the pop album of the year last year. A great pop album. A great pop album. And they were too busy documenting their time there than to actually spend their time there. And it just annoyed me because it it stood in the way from my perspective of like enjoying it. Because there was gay men constantly bumping in me taking pictures. I mean, that's the thing for me is that I I had my phone in my coat pocket, which was behind me hanging on the back of the chair. Yeah. I was watching the show and I still found it difficult to engage and appreciate what I was seeing yeah. because of what was going on around me. Yep. People coming in and out of the doors and letting them slam behind them yep. throughout the set. And then in between sets, people just kind of being pushy and that that awful thing that people seem to only do in New York where they'll just really like manhandle you, like shove you out of the way yeah. and not look you in the eye. Yep. Pretend that you literally don't exist. Yep. Like yeah. you're not matter that's in front of them taking up space. Yep. It's Saint remarkable Lucia, to me. St. Lucia was very much like that too. It was like lots of gay guys and lots of NYU fratty people. And it was the sort of concert where like boyfriends will go with their girlfriends and the girlfriends will do the thing where they turn their back to the stage and they wrap their like hands around the boyfriend's neck and they like sing the words to the boyfriend for the whole song. It's like, turn the fuck around. They're all Ugh. doing shots, spilling drinks on me. Taking pictures, Snapchatting. And I think, like, I am not going to see, like, 120th of the number of people that I would be able to see in New York. But I haven't gone to that many shows that recently. And every time I've gone, it's pretty much been terrible. Except for Kate Boy, where it was, like, I, I was right up against the stage. So I didn't have a sense of what was behind me. But I felt super connected to their performance. And I felt like everybody else was also super connected. Why would you assume that that is? I don't know. I don't know why it is. I mean, I, I looked I looked around the, the room and there was like people my age in their 30s. There was people in their 20s. There was people in their 40s. Like it felt like there was a pretty diverse crowd. Yeah. And I sometimes think if you homogeneously get a group of like all gay people or like all NYU kids, you're just going to get a bunch of fucking phones uh-huh. and people taking shitty video. And I think like... Who watches those? Like, who goes home to listen to, like, the blurry, shaky, like, can't hear anything, can't... Who listens to that? Yeah. No, you listen to the fucking album. Yeah. And so I, like, I just don't... I can't make sense of it. And so I'm like, well, I don't really go to shows. And when I do go to shows, it's not super fun. I just get pushed around and I feel annoyed. Yeah. So I'm just going to go home to Columbus, Ohio and play video games by myself. An apartment that costs half as less but I get all to myself. And by the way, when the tours that you want to see come through Columbus, go see Carly Rae again and tell me about the experience of seeing that show. Yeah. Because I promise you... It'll be different. The audience will be completely different. Huh. Having on tour, it's like... I mean, it's it's part of what is exciting about when you get a New York audience to put their phones away 
and not talk and stand at the bar and buy drinks and actually engage with you, you feel like you've really accomplished something. And I think part of it is that New Yorkers historically are just sort of jaded and don't give a fuck. And it's like playing Nashville or playing Los Angeles. People just are over it because they can see great stuff every night of the week and they're all in the industry in some capacity and think they know better than you do. And so when you really get people to be there with you, it feels like an accomplishment. Right. But you can go to like Salt Lake City, hands down, is the best concert of every tour that I play. Yeah. Because people there, for some reason, just are more appreciative, I think. Yeah. It's more of an event. It's not every day that they get to go see a great show. And I've always wondered if maybe it's that they're a little more starved for some action, for some entertainment, or what. But it's just a better experience. I will say this. I was just telling a coworker yesterday, I really like Mormons. Like, I really like Mormon people. Yeah. I feel like they have... All the Mormon people I know tend to be really gracious, super optimistic, very likable, very ambitious, but down to earth. I'm very fond of Mormons who have uh, denounced the church. Oh, Those cool. tend to be really cool Those people. are your favorite. Yeah. <laughs> there was something... There was another... Oh, I mean, all of this, let's be honest, about the phones goes back to Sherry Turkle. Yeah, sure. And I don't think we talked about it on the show that I met her. You did. Did I, I talk about, about it on the show? No, no, no. I heard from you personally, but why don't you Very briefly, experience? we talked about Sherry Turkle maybe in episode like six or seven. An extended thing about like phones and having conversation. Yeah. I saw her at NYU give a, give a speech. She was wearing leather pants. She's incredible. Cool. I asked a question. My question was, uh, she believes that um, the younger generation doesn't believe in boredom. Because they're like, we solved boredom. We have phones. We can have access to information all the time. And I said, so I used to work with middle schoolers, and they would regularly do the thing where they're constantly refreshing every app. Yeah. And as they're refreshing every app and having conversations with other people very briefly, they say, I'm bored. Yeah. I was like, so what's that about? We know that they're not actually bored, but what do you think they're actually saying? She crossed her legs. She leaned forward, and she was like, instead of answering your question... I'm instead going to store that as a wonderful anecdote, perhaps for my next book. Wow. And then she called me really insightful. And again, she pointed out it was a wonderful observation. She wasn't going to answer it, but she said... So it sounds like a great way of dodging the question to me. I think she said, I think what it shows is that when kids say, I'm bored, when they're using technology, they're acknowledging in some sense in their soul that what they're getting is not fulfilling them. That it's yeah. not fulfilling, it's not sating them, it's not slaking their thirst. Sure. I think uh, boredom is also relative. From generation to generation and from town to town. And I th- I think that... <coughs> I'm bored by your sneeze. Bless you. Bless you. Oh. Oh. Anyway. Boredom is relative. I think the boredom is relative. I remember a friend of my mom's, uh, my mom related this to me. I don't remember who said it to her, but somebody told her when I moved to New York, if Zach is bored in New York, it's his own fault. Yeah. There's no reason to be bored in New York City. Yes. And I thought that's totally valid. I thought that at the time and having lived here for 10 years, 
I can honestly say I'm never bored by the city. But I think if you grow up here, even with a wealth of everything at your fingertips, it could be easy to get... I mean, yeah, sometimes I'm bored. Sometimes I feel like I've done... I've, I ate at every place I like. I don't want to go there again. I don't want to do this thing again. It's it's just that thing where you're oversaturated, I think. i never bored. I don't never? Have, no. I can't remember the last time I was bored. There but were I, times in Peace Corps where I would be sitting in my host family's living room on yeah. a cushion being like... Good God, I wish I could watch something in a language I understand. Right. But, like, I would go to my room and read a book. Or I'd go to my room and, like, pick up a guitar. I'm just regularly not bored because, as a Gemini, I have a lot of different interests. Right. So I can always find something to interest me. The thing is that I also have a lot of different interests, but sometimes none of them in the moment feel particularly interesting to me. Hmm. I, I can have times where I go, nothing, just nothing sounds good. Nothing sounds engaging right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you're longing for something that doesn't exist. I don't... Love. I don't think love, acceptance, Christ our Savior, something like that. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I don't think that that the Instagram and Twitter and shit, I don't think that's a solution to boredom at all. I think it's just creating a vacuum. Right. No, it's a, it's a bad solution. It's to a, a perceived solution to confidence. Right. Right. And validation. Yeah. Yeah. And I think all of that's you valid. are wrong if you use Instagram. I mostly I rarely use it. You're working on your headstands. I'm working on my handstands. If you follow <laughs> me on Twitter or on Instagram, you can tell I'm working on my handstands. Yeah, but I I think I think that that can be and is for a lot of people just a healthy part of social interaction these days. I yeah. think that there can be a balance. Yeah. I enjoy Twitter more than anything. I like to read news. I like to read funny things from comedians that I enjoy following, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But I, I don't just... know. I, I when, when I see people at a concert, like something like Jenny Lewis, where, you know, the, the thing that was confounding to me about the Jenny Lewis show is this is an established artist she is celebrating the 10th anniversary of a particular album, right? Rabbit Fur Coat is 10 years old. She's doing a small run of shows to celebrate the release of this record. Yeah. Right? Why would you go to this show if you don't have a fondness for that album? Right. It's such a particular record, too. Right. And it's like people who would have loved it 10 years ago or people, I don't know. I have a bad sense of things, but I just think like if you loved that record, you're probably in your early 20s or your late teens or your mid 20s or late 20s. When you so got into like, it. Right. 10 years later, you're going to be old enough to know better. But I just yeah. don't think a lot of people uh, have a sense of themselves or know better. I don't know. I think that I think that a lot of people just don't go out into public and just don't really want to acknowledge that other people's experiences are occurring or matter. Hmm. I think that you, the, the feeling I got from last night, what from most of this audience was, I bought a ticket. I'm going to this show. I'm going to enjoy this however the fuck I want. Yeah. And I'm not going to worry about the people around me and the experience that they're having. I find myself very aware of that stuff when I go to see a show. Yeah. I don't want to get in the way of the person right. next to me, take up their armrest, whatever, right. you know. There's just a courtesy. Right. 
It's the same as it is anywhere, on the subway or on the street or at a restaurant or whatever. It made me wonder, I've talked to people who, who've like did shows or toured before, but like, so at the St. Lucia show, like they do really great music. They do super, super cool, great music. Yeah. And I wonder, like, they don't record that music being like, I can't wait to perform this and see all these, like, 22-year-olds take shots from, like, lit-up <laughs> glasses, right. right? Like, all right. of that shit at Webster Hall. Like, that's not what they imagine. They don't want a fan who's constantly, like, taking pictures of themselves. They want people who, like, are fucking there for the music. Right. But you kind of get what you get. Like, if they show up for the show, you're like, I guess this is what I have. Right. And I've talked to people who perform that are like, well... I'm just happy people come, so I can't be that picky. Yeah, it's... The Jenny Lewis show, for me, was a real moment of... Because I've been working on my own music. I've been writing some stuff and recording it, and I'm getting ready to put probably an EP out soonish of my own stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you spend all this time in a climate today where recorded music is not valued like it was. Right, it's kind of disposable. People aren't gonna actually spend money on it. They're gonna stream it. You're not gonna like this is not this is not really a viable income or a viable way of gaining fans, really, recorded right. music. It's like people are disposable. Yeah. They'll listen to your shit once in a while. It it's not breeding the fans that it used to, right? Right. And you make records kind of knowing that now you you're just gonna make some stuff that you feel good about put it into the ether hope that somebody grabs it and it speaks to somebody somewhere right Mm -hmm. and then hopefully you're gonna get to go out and play some shows to me that these days is like the what we aim for you know at least i get to go play live yeah once i do this i'll get to go play and people will be there and we'll have fun together and They'll learn the words and we'll have a night. We'll have an experience. Right. And to go to this show by an artist who's three solo records deep and Rilo Kylie is obviously like a, a formidable thing in her career. And she's got real fans who have been with her for a long time. To see those fans kind of not half half giving a fuck, I'll say. Right. Does not make me feel very inspired to make music for people you're like do you know what i've been thinking about insurance yeah (laughs) it feels like is this is who i'm making records for this is who we go through all this effort to make music and record it and get out on the road and we spend all this money and we do all this shit because we love doing it but also because we hope that it's going to resonate with somebody yeah and that's why i i i understand when bands want to create these like no cell phone at the show policies yeah i have no problem with that i have no problem with it either but people are painted very quickly like assholes or divas or uptight or eccentric when they go yeah we're taking your phone at the door or if we see your phone come out you're gonna get kicked out yeah but i think it's just uh like a gasp of a gasp for error to try to get people to engage yeah it's one little thing that you're doing to go, please, put your fucking phone, fucking phone, put your fucking phone in your pocket and be here with me. Yeah. What I remember most 
the times I enjoyed most at the St. Lucia concert was when I closed my eyes. Right. When I was like feeling the like the movement of my body dancing when I was feeling the music and that felt really pleasure to me pleasurable to me because I couldn't be distracted by like the visuals of people not paying attention. Yeah. And the Cape Boy concert too it was like I wasn't distracted by looking at other people because I was so engaged with watching their performance and their incredible performance and their songs are incredible. I just think if people are forced to make it like forced to say what they think about the quality of digital interaction versus face-to-face interaction, you're just like face-to-face is always going to win. Of course it is. It's always going to win. And I think people should just be more honest about that. Like, but, but I, I think that that is true for you. And I think that's true for me, but I think for a lot of people who are uncomfortable with being uncomfortable real human interaction is very difficult Mm -hmm. you know i mean we were just speaking before we started filming filming taping yeah about a friend who you made an effort to reach out to in some capacity to discuss a disagreement that you were having and they have found it difficult, obviously, to respond to that. Yeah. And to me, it's like the the what you do when you write an email or you write a letter to somebody or whatever is you you give them the option of not responding, right? Right. Because you don't sit down and look them in the face and go, "This is how I feel." Right. Say something back to me. Right. We're here. You have to do something. Right. What what people like about digital interaction is that. It's all them. It's those guys who sit at home on fucking YouTube and make comments that are right. disgusting and awful. Yeah. Because they don't have any accountability. Right. And they don't have to have any moment of discomfort or being misunderstood or having to explain themselves or justify their idiotic viewpoint to another person. People don't like being uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't mind being uncomfortable. Neither do I. Neither do you. I think of it as like there was one point where some total strangers, some principals came to view my classroom and they were there for like three minutes maybe. And they left after being there for three minutes, only seeing me for three minutes and then went back to the conference room. And my principal at the time told me one of the people was like, one thing I can tell about that guy, he likes making people uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because he thinks being uncomfortable is important. And I was like, they got that in three minutes of my teaching. But I think it's absolutely true. Like, being uncomfortable, I just think of as part of a process. Like, there are times where you're uncomfortable and there's nothing wrong with it. But you either have to think about the fact you're uncomfortable or you have to talk about the fact that you're uncomfortable. Yeah. Instead of just moving away from it all the time. And you use those moments to think about why you're uncomfortable and grow from that. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. A friend of mine was recently said, well, either people take the hard stuff and they change or they don't. And it's really not your responsibility. It's not your problem. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. That's a pretty significant idea. It's true, though. Um, There was something you were saying about interaction and people. I don't remember, but I, I honestly could talk about human interaction forever well i think the the general thing of you you said that 
digital react or digital interaction is always going to lose to face to face interaction. Right. And I, I was just saying that I think that that's true for a lot of people. But I think a lot of people, if they answer honestly, might not agree with that. And I think that that is that is something worth addressing to me. Yeah. I do, yeah, I I know of people who prefer digital interaction to face-to-face interaction. Yeah. And I oh, I remember what I was going to say. Yeah. I just don't if you would prefer to text with me than talk to me face-to-face, I don't really want to be friends with you. Right. <laughs> like there's something about the authentic experience of myself that if you if it's harder for you to sit in front of it or to be with it or uncomfortable with it, than to just text me or to tweet at me like there's probably not much that I then you really don't get the best of me and you shouldn't be friends with me right um and that's one of the things about living in New York I find really frustrating is that seeing people face to face is really hard yeah and it's not there's tons of people here but I feel like I have to schedule friendship visits weeks in advance yeah like I have a friend who I can't see unless I schedule like four or five weeks in advance and with all the stuff that has been happening with in my life recently, I would love it if I could say, I've had a really crappy day. Can we get a drink? Can we get a drink? Yeah. And that day I see people. But oftentimes it's like, I've had a crappy day. Are you free Thursday after yeah. 7? <laughs> yeah. But you have to leave by 8.30. And that to me just doesn't feel... Um, that doesn't feel like the way I kind of... I want to have my friendships. For some people that works... But I think it doesn't work for me. And it's I'm, difficult. I'm banking that I can have a different kind of friendship with people in Columbus. Maybe yeah. I can't and I'm wrong. But like I'll be able to pop by my brother's house and be like, hey, let's have dinner. Or call my mom and be like, hey, do you want to watch The Grinder tonight and have yeah. dinner? Like, <laughs> yeah. I like ad hoc things or being able to see people um, when you need them. And I think New York is just always so – people say it. It's a cliche, but it's busy. It's always busy. It is, yeah. Well, and part of that is that you, I, I think a lot of people are just kind of the the very act of being able to continue living here is a full-time job. Yes. Also in New York, if you're busy, that means you're important. Right. right. In some sense, right? right? Like if I'm busy, that means people want to spend time with me or it means people need me. Therefore, the more busy I am, the more... Uh, validated i am in my importance right and that's human but i think new york makes it really uh makes that distinction really keen yeah we talked a really long time about about feeling zach yeah and actually i had one more thing i wanted to say do it uh but now i'm in the same boat you were a minute ago where i can't remember where where we were that was it about how luscious my lips that i just had plastic surgery on are just kidding it's (laughs) Go to voulezvouscast.com and you can find us. You can also tweet at us at voulezvouscast. You can also email us. Please email us with your feelings about us, about our faces, about our lives, about Anita, about Annie Freed. Just uh, try try to top that email from Scott Fitzgerald. Try it. Try to top You won't. Email. You can't. You can't. But you can try. Um, and it's voulezvouscast at gmail.com. Uh-huh. If you would like to see a lot of videos of me doing handstands in the gym at uh, Columbia, uh, please follow me at there is thunder, which is my Twitter and my Instagram account. If you would like to see incredibly rare photos that I post 
Why don't you follow me at Zach Jones Music with an H? Did you ever want to see Queen Victoria eating curry with Tim Curry? Go to Zach's Instagram account. Oh, now I'm going to have to make that photo. Do you want to see a piece of toast getting married to a whale? Incredibly rare photos at Zach Jones at drums at Zacko.